basically when you're thinking about marketing it comes down to three principles awareness nurturing and trust so how are you introducing yourself to new people that have never heard of you how are you then nurturing that to get them to become a customer and keep them as a customer and then how are you building trust which before you have a lot of credibility comes with third party validation and getting trust from other places they trust and then over time as you build a brand it comes from reputation and consistency and brand right, 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 right. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for people just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, we have an amazing guest on the show today. It is Eric Huberman, who is the CEO and founder of Hawk Media and the author of the new book, The Hawk Method. But before we get to Eric, Eric, let's talk a little bit about authenticity. You know, I was just in London speaking at a great corporate conference, and someone came up to me after the session and they said, you know, Jason, I'm considered high potential talent at this organization, but the more that I talk to folks, I feel like I'm being fit into a mold, and I don't know how to really be my authentic self and show up in the way that they want me to show up as an executive. And, you know, I thought, wow, this is such a great question because, you know, it drives me nuts when everyone talks about, oh, I'm so authentic this and I'm so authentic that. Because to me, it's not about being on or off. It's about how are you always authentically you? But more importantly, how is it that you are always uniquely you? And when I think of my brand attributes, the reason why I have multiple brand attributes is so that I can be my unique self and show up, but modulate that based on the situation and based on the audience. You see, at the end of the day, it is truly all about selecting the right behaviors at the right time with the right level of intensity. And I think that intensity level is a little bit like a volume dial. Sometimes I need to turn the volume way up in something, and sometimes I need to turn it a little bit down. So let me give you an example. You know when I think of my brand attributes, I show up as a storyteller and a showman and Hollywood and as a first mover and a super connector and a setter and an advocate. Well, I'm not necessarily showing up as all of those brand attributes all of the time at the same time. I'm always modulating and moving within those to see what is best going to serve my career audience. So let me give you an example. You all know that I grew up working in Hollywood 
Hollywood for 25 years. So, of course, it was a big career booster for me to show up as that super connector and very Hollywood and a big showman. That really reads when you're in the entertainment industry. But you know what? I've gotten a lot of amazing Silicon Valley clients. You know what? When I go up to Silicon Valley and I'm working with folks that are technologists and engineers and coders, guess what? They are kind of the antithesis of Hollywood. So if I'm walking into that room with that volume dial way up loud as a Hollywood showman, that's actually repelling to those folks. So I'm not going to be inauthentic. I'm not going to suddenly not be Jason, but I need to say, what does Jason look like in Silicon Valley? And you know what? It means I'm turning down the volume dial in Hollywood Showman. And you know what? It's about turning it way up in being a first mover and a super connector, right? Those brand attributes, when they're turned up louder there, they really resonate with that industry. You know, I'll give you another example. When I was in London, you know, I had to think all about cross-cultural communication and thinking I'm speaking in front of a whole group of people from around the world. You know what? Turning up the volume on being a jet setter, that's really valuable. Not from the standpoint of being a glamorous jet setter, but bringing in all of those experiences of having a worldly background, of having traveled the world, allows me to connect better with that international audience. Even bringing up my multicultural background and leaning into that of how my family has come from around the world allows me to better connect with that audience. And at the end of the day, your brand isn't just about you. It's really about how you serve your audience. So remember, being authentic and being uniquely you is what you want to be all of the time. And it's about selecting the right attributes and behaviors at the right time with the right level of intensity. Well, we've got an amazing guest on the show today. It is Los Angeles-based CEO and founder Eric Huberman, who launched Hawk Media in 2014. Now, Hawk Media is valued at over $150 million and is the fastest-growing marketing consulting agency in the United States. Now, it was inspired by Eric's nimble ability to identify gaps in the market, and its mission is to provide accessibility top-of-the-line marketing solutions to both large and small businesses, creating an innovative, distinctive offering to business owners looking to outsource their chief marketing officer and marketing teams. Now, Eric successfully founded, grew, and sold two e-commerce companies by the age of 26, if you can believe it, solidifying his entrepreneurial nature and drive early on. Since the launch of Hawk Media, Eric has continued to strategically expand his business portfolio of a handful of company acquisitions, including the 2018 launch of Hawk Ventures. Now, Eric considers himself a serial entrepreneur and marketing expert, and he has been recognized by his industry peers through tons of honors and awards, including Forbes Magazine's 30 Under 30, CSQ's 40 Under 40, Inc. Magazine's top 25 marketing influencers and the best in biz North America's marketing executive of the year. We'll be back in just a few minutes with CEO and founder Eric Huberman. 
For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we are back. I've got an amazing guest with us today. It is CEO and founder Eric Huberman, who launched Hawk Media back in 2014. Eric, how's it going? How's it going? Thanks for having me. Of course. Well, Eric, let's just jump right in. I want to know when you first meet people, how do you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what it is that you do? I think the key is to try to know your audience ahead of time because it's funny. I just coached my sales team on I change what I say. But let's assume I'm in a place where I really am trying to build business and network in that sense. So I generally go, I'm Eric, uh, background in e-commerce, built and sold two e-commerce companies, and now run a company called Hawk Media. We're basically an outsourced CMO and marketing team to brands. So we go into companies, identify holes in their marketing uh, strategy or bandwidth, and then spin up different experts month to month and a la carte. So it could be a Facebook marketer, an email marketer, web designer, et cetera. We're about 300 people, manage marketing for about 600 companies. Very cool. So you are one busy guy. And I know that you have been uh, leading Hawk Media since 2014. But let's dial back in your career. Talk to me a little bit about some of the big career breakthroughs that you remember that really helped you get to being a, a CEO and founder. Yeah, I'd say... Uh, so my dad was a pretty successful guy and I'd say the first breakthrough was working for him my first summer out of college and realizing that's never going to continue and I'm not going to do that anymore. So that was number one. Was <laughs> and and, and why was it that you didn't ever want to work with your dad again? Loved my dad, but, uh, I could not be his employee. I was the oldest son. He was so concerned that it, my dad made a lot of money as I grew up and he was so concerned. I'd be like this spoiled rich kid. It went the other way where it's like, you're going to do the worst jobs and way longer <laughs> than you need to. Like I went from managing a health food store to emptying trash cans in his office for two months. And like, I like, sure, I don't mind hard work, but like, I'm literally learning nothing. Like, why am I here? <laughs> um, and so I uh, didn't do that. And then the next breakthrough or the next summer, I, I just heard the anecdote over and over again that like learning sales is valuable in anything. You're always going to sell yourself, sell yourself for a promotion, blah, 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 learn sales. So I tried to get a job as a used car salesman because everybody had, it's had such a bad reputation that I was like, <laughs> That's, I want to go do the hardest, grimiest sales thing I can do to learn. <laughs> Turns out no car dealership wanted to hire me for the summer. Um, and I didn't want to lie to them and pretend like I was looking for a long job. So I ended up getting hit up by Cutco, the knife company, which basically prospects college kids to come work for them and sell door-to-door uh, kitchen knives. Yeah. And I, it was perfect because I wanted that job like that. I wanted a hard job. I wanted to learn sales. I went in and bought fully into their program. And it is a great sales training program if you buy in. And I ended yeah. up crushing all their records and just learned that I was really naturally good at sales. And so that was another breakthrough of like, okay, so I probably, and I also worked in high school and at that health food store. And I was always told by my GM that I need to work with people. Like I'm way better, way more passionate about working with people. And so I uh, then went to college and, you know, we're finished college, I should say. I did start a uh, storm drain filtering company during college, realized that was not going to be my passion post-college and <laughs> my partner. And uh, 
went into real estate. And I think this is probably the biggest shift in career. Like that was what my dad was in the waste and real estate business. I went and did, went my own path in real estate, still thinking that there may be a time where I come back and could actually work with him as a partner, as opposed to a employee. And there, you know, I, again, I got along with my dad. I just could not be like an entry level employee for him. Um, but the a week after I started Lehman brothers went bankrupt and the entire 08 crash happened. And so mm-hmm. I, that happened and I made $350 that year in real estate and went this, I was in debt. I wow. wasn't working. And that's what started me in looking into uh, entrepreneurial side. And like, maybe I, I always was comfortable with the internet. So I started looking at starting a real estate website or this or that and ended up, this could be a much longer story, but long story short, launched an online music site that was one-on-one business coaching for musicians. Think masterclass for the music business targeting yeah. independent musicians and Built, was able to partner up with a friend's dad that I didn't know that he was a massively successful guy, but he, I was in a band from uh, pre, like basically middle school, high school. My drummer yeah. was still pursuing music. His dad is the one that was like, I'll do this with you. Help me raise the money for it. Uh, brought in, he, he had a nonprofit with Deepak Chopra, brought him in who brought in basically the music industry. And so built it out for two years, got it to profitability, but realized it was never going to be the thing that would actually, I said this, I was 24 when I realized this and I was like, my kids will never go to college off this business, which is weird. Cause like now my first kid is due in a month, but up back then, like I was a long way from kids, but that's how I was thinking. <laughs> at the time. And, uh, I, yeah, moved on. And then I started a t-shirt subscription company called swag of the month. It was one of the first e-com subscription sites. We got a ton of press because of that and built it up for a year and a half and then sold it. And then I joined this little incubator called science that had uh, just launched a company called Dollar Shave Club and had built a little name for themselves in the startup scene. Of course. And uh, yeah, helped advise for their portfolio companies, ended up jumping in on a vitamin company that it was failing miserably and helped them pivot to be an activewear subscription site, basically a copy of my t-shirt company, but for women's activewear. Uh, we renamed it to Ellie, built that for a year and then sold it to Valley Total Fitness. That's when I started consulting and figuring out what I wanted to do next and realized the marketing agency ecosystem sucks and I needed to build something that created accessibility to great marketing because basically 99% of agencies are full of shit, and the few that are good are either really expensive, want long contracts, high minimums, or something else that makes them hard. I'm like, why can't you be good at what you do but easy to work with? And that was basically the marching orders of how we built Hawks. So fast forward, now it's, as I mentioned, 300 people, 600 active clients, and growing with a venture fund and a financing arm and soon-to-be software arm and all sorts of things. Yeah, I mean, you've had this like amazing trajectory and it feels like at such a young age, you have worked and led and and founded so many different businesses. When you look back to being, you know, a young guy, you know, 25 years old and and younger, right, running e-commerce businesses, what is it that you you wish you knew uh, then that you've learned now as a CEO? Uh, the extremes aren't that extreme. I, I see it now where I watch the media like, oh, we're going into a recession. And it's like, yeah, certain, it's just like COVID, like certain things are going to be impactful to certain businesses. But, uh, th- it's basically that combined with a piece of advice I got from my dad early on, which is, was articulate is that shit happens all the time. Every, you're going to get, <laughs> if you're running a business, it's just a, it's always a shit show. Like it's, and I don't mean that in the sense of like, you know, it should be falling apart, but like, by nature, if you run a business, you've got to deal with the hardest problems. And so yeah. like you're going to if you're growing, if you're building or the world's changing, which it always is, you're going to have to constantly be ducking and weaving and fighting like 
that is part of the job. And it took me a long time to realize that that's what you sign up for. And I will tell you, the bigger you get, the longer you go, the harder the problems get. It's part of it. I mean, and I say that watching the biggest companies in the world and watching like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg have to go in front of Congress again. Like I haven't yeah. had to go to front of Congress yet. I'm not that big, but at the, there's a point where that is probably on the roadmap. Like yeah. it's just, you get into really big situations. And so knowing that allows you to like, when it happens, you stop panicking. And I think keeping that level head is a pretty critical part of it. Yeah. And now talk to me about being a CEO of an organization with 300 plus uh, folks working with you and, and, and huge clients. What was the pivot that you needed to make from working really in sort of these startup businesses to something that is really a, a game that you're in for the long haul? Uh, well, so to be clear, we still serve startup businesses. So that, that's part of the mission is accessibility to great marketing is our mission statement. Yeah. But in terms of managing that team, first off, it's incremental. Like you do it over time. It's not like I went from one to 300 people. And so you are able to build infrastructure over time. And I'll say it's like a lot of things. It's a constant, it's not linear. It's not like it's like, you know, boom, we're just going to add this many people and everything's set. Then boom, we're going to just stack on top of that. Like, throughout time, you're going to lose a manager here. Like, cause it's all about hierarchy management and, you know, just a managerial system that helps you do that and actually be that many people. But over time, you're going to have to replace certain people from the top, from the bottom, from the middle. And you're, it's a constant management, but that's where like, basically what I try to do is anytime I find myself managing something full time or getting into the weeds on something, I realize I don't have a, I need to put a person in that place. Mm. And if our business can't, sustain that I need to rework our business model. Yeah. And so, you know, if I'm finding my, again, it's whatever it is that I find myself having to triage or work with, I realize that I, you know, we're probably lacking in talent there. And over time, if that's how you think you end up putting people in places that you need them. And then if they move on or whatever you do, replace them, et cetera, and you build out, you slowly end up with more and more stability uh, over time by doing that. And then you also, as you scale, you end up with redundancy too. And I'm just articulating like, you know, a lot of people talked about the great, great resignation the past year and there, you know, we saw some of that too. And the nice thing is the bigger you get, the more redundancy you have, the less the, the individual leaving effects. And then again, it's about having people responsible for different parts so that I'm not having to keep track of everything. I can look at leading indicators and know that that's not where I need to pay my attention to. Um, on top of that, it's, uh, it's literally about just, uh, segmenting people's responsibilities more and more and more. So, you know, they, they have a, it's a dirty word in a lot of ways, but the cog in the wheel thing, as you get bigger has to be the case. People have to have less and less KPIs and to the point where everybody has if close to one KPI as possible. And that's all they're responsible for, because that's how you can manage and scale at scale and have it be predictable. Yeah. And now you told me you didn't love working for your dad, but you, you, you watched him growing up. Tell me as a kid, what is it that you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, as a kid, I want, what did I, I wanted to be a, a guitarist. I thought I was going to be a rock star. And then, <laughs> uh, at about, I think it was 12, there a couple things happened at the same time. I saw behind the music with sting. I watched it with my mom and, I, he got ripped off for like $25 million by his manager. And I was like, how does yeah. that happen? And she's like, well, he didn't understand business. He was a musician. I'm like, oh, so musicians need to understand business. And uh, also I realized about 12, all my friends picked up guitar and I'd been playing for a while and they were all immediately better than me. 
I was like, oh, I'm not that good. <laughs> I love doing this, but I'm not necessarily that good at it. Um, on top of that, I, this is where my dad's influence really did matter. Like I told my dad at eight years old, I was like, hey, I want to get an electric guitar. And his response was verbatim, good, get a f-ing job. <laughs> and the thing is, like, to an adult, you're like, what the hell did you just say? But as an eight-year-old, you're like, oh, okay, I'll get a job. And so I started trying to figure out how to make money. So from a young, from six years old, I was trying to figure out how to earn money just because I was kind of brought up around that. And yeah. eight, I really tried to start my own little businesses. And I did the lemonade stand and sold flowers. And then I got into the Beanie Baby craze and made a bunch of, I made like four grand as an eight-year-old in Beanie Babies and bought my okay. guitar. Bought a That's BMW. out of control. Yeah, it was awesome. And so I got, it was in the back of my head, like this wheeling and dealing entrepreneurial stuff is fun, but it was, that was a means to get the guitar um, and then this, you know, circle back at 12, I realized I wasn't that good and I probably needed to know more about business. So then in my head, I was going to be a music manager. Um, and then around, I think it was like 16 is when I started getting more into what my dad did in real estate and went, you know what? Music can be a hobby. It's okay. I'm just going to go for business and figure it out from there. Yeah. I love that story. Now tell me a little bit about your brand. How would you describe your brand as a CEO? Give me three words. My brand is, I guess, to which audience? You tell me how many audiences do you have and is it different by audience? I would say how I am outward facing versus inward facing is different just because you have to be like not, not maybe not my brand. They both see like my, my internal team sees what I'm doing externally. It's not like there's a mismatch that it's dishonest. It's just more my external brand. All I'm trying to do all the time is remind people like I'm, I'm, I'm synonymous with marketing. If you need marketing help, marketing, 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 I'm marketing. That's my external brand. So it'd be one word marketing, Eric marketing. That's I do that intentionally internally. Um, I, I, what I've heard, the feedback I get is very, I get fair, high moral compass, reliable. Um, but I also get, uh, like I'd say on the negative side, sort of like hard charging, um, very, I'm definitely opinionated. And if you're (laughs) you're not comfortable pushing, like I'm very comfortable being pushed back on, but if you weren't brought up to be someone that's comfortable standing your ground, it's, uh, I can be hard to work with. Yeah. And and so talk to me about the, the fair and the reliable, reliable piece. How is it that you show up that way for your team as well as for your clients? Yeah. I just always try like my, I guess the, probably the easiest way to put it is I try to assume, like, let's just assume that there's a judge here. How would they say this should have happened? So if it's an employee asking for a raise or a client asking for a discount or whatever, and that's just two weird examples, but like whatever the conversation, if it's me on one side of the table and them on the other, I'm usually more trying to find what the fair and objective, reasonable outcome is than maximize mm. my return. Like I can't, I run a business with this many employees. I can't run a business where I'm squeezing their salaries to try to minimize what they make so I can maximize what I make. I'll drive yeah. my company to the ground. So instead I tried to make a fair and reasonable model that's very transparent and very objective so that there's, I can keep it as fair. Same way with how I handle, you know, problem situations with clients that come up now and then or any type of disputes or anything. I'm just, I'm like, what's fair? What, what is the right thing to do here? And I, I have, I, what I've learned is I, I went through this program like a year ago that actually surveyed like, you know, my top 50 contacts about what came to mind when they thought of me. And that was it. It was fair. Uh, it was always like high moral compass fair. And I forgot the other word that was used, but it was all went back to that, like high integrity, really reasonable, really fair. 
Yeah. And so you said sometimes you can be seen as hard charging or, or, or driven. Tell me a little bit about how you manage that part of you that feels very authentic, but you noted that that doesn't always work for some people or, or people may not be conditioned to succeed with that. Yeah, it's, it's a work in progress. I, I, I continue to take a step and try, like, especially when I'm in the room with people that, like, when I'm with my senior executives, I sincerely will say verbatim, like, you guys have no excuse. If you have something you don't agree with or you want to disagree, like, you, I'm not, you don't get to hide. You don't get to tell me that you didn't know how to talk to me <laughs> my senior executives. With everyone else, I try to pause, get buy-in, check in, make sure they understand, make sure they agree, be really reasonable about it because, I, I don't have that same expectation for every other employee at the company. Yeah. So, um, and then frankly, and I've tried to articulate this when they show me that they can push back and speak up, et cetera. That's when I'm telling their managers and directors and VPs, like that person's got opportunity. Like mm. I like that, that I want that in our culture. I want candor in our culture. I want, you know, people to speak up. I want people to push back. I want people to throw ideas. I want people to argue. There's a reason our entire legal system is built on arguing. A lot of times the truth is in the middle and you need to argue it out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So talk to me a little bit about the brand of Hawk Media. Uh, Obviously, you are in the business of marketing for your clients, right? Being that CMO to them. Thinking with your CMO hat on, what did you intentionally do in terms of branding Hawk Media to reach out to your great roster of clients? Yep. So we are the best at what we do and we are really easy to work with. Mm. Accessibility to great marketing is our mission statement. We are the best at what we do and easy to work with. So um, everything we do is that way. So our tagline is your outsource CMO. That, quant- that, that instead of saying we're a digital agency or a marketing agency or a marketing consultancy, we're your outsource CMO. What does CMO connote? High level, high level thinking, strategic, et cetera. And so that's, again, the best at what we do. We're high level. We're, we're, premium in that sense. But then our next part of our pitch is we're month to month a la carte, uh, cheaper than hiring in house. And we have all these reasons, like we're really nimble, flexible, easy to work with. So the idea is let's have all the credibility in the world that we're the best at what we do, but then have no barrier to entry. Yeah. So like anyone that needs help, come on, we'll help you. And over time we've shown that we can, we are very successful at what we do and tried and true. And now is that is that sort of the tagline and the brand that you launched with or has that evolved over time for your business? No, thankfully, I spent six months consulting and throwing out different ideas of how I'd pitch it. And so just saw it in real person in real time. Like I'd say things like, yeah, I'm building like a digital agency and everyone would roll their eyes because nobody likes digital agencies. And so I was like, OK, well, I'm not going to say that anymore. <laughs> And like, oh, I'm building a marketing agency and same thing. And then it was like, ah, then really where the outsource CMO came from was outsource CFOs started getting really popular at the time I started Hawk. No one was doing it for CMOs. And I was like, well, that's an easy one. And then I'd say it and people's eyes would light up. And I'm like, there it is. That's the tagline. And then I yeah, tried. Right. So it was really about testing, right? It was about yeah. testing, pl- playing so it out there. The and- people, people undervalue testing in real time on the ground. Like we're launching uh, our whole AI and software platform that we've been building for seven years uh, next month. And I went and I've got, I had a tagline in my head, which we'll still use, which is AI enabled CMO. And I loved that. I was really about it. And then I went to pitch it and I like, I even felt uncomfortable saying that. Cause it's like, what the f- does that mean? Sorry. I swear <laughs> and so then I was like, well, it's basically automated marketing strategy. Mm. And then everyone's like, Oh, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, like it monitors your marketing. It tells you in real time what you need to fix, where things are changing. Like it's automated marketing strategy. They're like, yeah, that's amazing. I want it. It's like, okay, so that's the pitch. Oops, I've been playing on this, you know, 
AI unable to CMO forever, but it's really automated marketing strategy. Yeah. It, it strikes me that you have this great way of finding the simplicity and just like cutting to the chase and making it easy for people to understand. That has always been like one of my key superpowers for sure. <laughs> So, so I love that you said, you know, you position Hawk Media as, you know, providing the best, but being easy to work with. So talk to me about how does that easy to work with show up in real life? And, and how is that something to scale? Cause it seems being easy is actually hard to scale when you start working with multiple clients and you build your roster of, uh, of experts in house. Yeah, and that continues to be our challenge and our opportunity. Cause my thought with that, and you're right, but I, but we've done it, um, is yes, it's harder, which means higher barrier to entry, which means there's a chance to win. And so I'm like, yeah, if it was easy, everyone would do it, which everyone has a small agency. And that, like, of course, like then you'd have, you'd be competing on price and it sucks. So when I, what I wanted to do is figure out how to make it work, not just complain that it's harder. And so now, you know, we're, we're, one of the biggest agencies that also will serve the small and medium business market out there, period. Mm. So you want a credible, so like all the bells and whistles that all these big agencies get, all of us get, like we have full partnerships with Shopify and Facebook and Google. And we were the first official partner to TikTok and the, one of the first partners announced to Snapchat. And like we have all these relationships that small agencies can't compete with, but we'll still work with all the little guys. Like that was the opportunity. Now that being said, numbers play out. And what I've realized is our client retention is not much different from a company that requires a, you know, one year contract, mm-hmm. mainly because most of those companies still have outs in their contracts. And let's be real. When a company doesn't want to pay you, they're just not going to pay you. I don't care what it says in the contract. We, and I learned that from being on the other side and from seeing this over time, like if we don't do our job, I don't care what contract we have. It's not going to save us vice versa. If we're doing our job, well, it's very rare that someone's going to fire us and it happens. And that is the one nuance is we have slightly higher churn because people are able to make that decision on a whim and not deal with a little bit more of a battle. And so if they sell the company or they have a bad day or they're scared about something like it can happen and it's not, it's not like it happens a lot, but that little, that incremental amount of churn makes us churn more than others because we deal with that where others won't. That being said, our barrier to entry is we have more new business than any agency in the country. Most likely Mm. we sign between 40 and 80 new clients every month. Wow. And so most agencies can't say that because again, high credibility, low barrier to entry. And we're not asking for a long commitment. Yeah. Now talk to me a little bit about, uh, marketing in terms of what are the things that you advise to your clients and their businesses that you think individual leaders could use to market and brand themselves? I mean, I wrote a whole book on it called The Hawk Method. Uh, Basically, when you're thinking about marketing, it comes down to three principles, awareness, nurturing, and trust. So how are you introducing yourself to new people that have never heard of you? Yeah. How are you then nurturing that to get them to become a customer and keep them as a customer? And then how are you building trust, which before you have a lot of credibility, comes with third-party validation and getting trust from other places they trust. And then over time, as you build a brand, it comes from reputation and consistency and brand. And so... That's in a really quick nutshell, but wrote a book called The Hawk Method about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And tell me what inspired you to write the book. And I know it just came out earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I actually had written a different book that I shelved because I wasn't really happy with how it turned out and then got approached at a party by this ghostwriter marketing, uh, book marketing guy and said, Hey, I want to work with you. Do you have an idea for a book? And I had been speaking for years on the topic and talking about this strategy. And this is how we trained internally. 
I was like, yeah, I should probably distill that down into a book. That'd probably be helpful. And so that was <laughs> a couple of years ago, we, we sought out to build it out and then launched it in March. And I think we've sold like 30,000 copies. Wow. Wow. That is, uh, that is super, uh, super uh, awesome there. Um, tell me, I want to ask you about social media because I know everyone is challenged with social media. The higher you get in an organization, uh, you're, you're more challenged with, you know, how, how do you make sure that you're balancing business needs and managing your own professional brand? You've got tons of followers on all sorts of platforms. And when I scroll through your feeds, you know, I see a great mix of things that are from your organization, from uh, from Hawk. I see a lot of, of, of pictures of you doing things in your life. How do you view social media and being authentic and it not just looking like a corporate communications blast? Yeah, you know, I will say it's a balance because what I find is whatever you post about on social is what people think. Like people take that window as the entire story. Mm. So I find if I post too much personal stuff, they're like, do you ever work? Like, I fucking work my ass off. What do you mean? And then if I put more work, like, God, you must be grist grinding. So, like, you talked about storytelling. Like, there's a story to be told there that people just take that as the window. And so I, I used to – I honestly had to pivot a little bit because it also happens with my own employees. If I, I'm working day and night but I post one snowboard shot, I hear a little feedback like, well, Eric's just off snowboarding all the time. Like, mm. I snowboarded for two days. I work – a hundred hours a week. Like, what are you talking about? Mm. But, but yeah, so being, you, you being conscious of it, especially when you have a lot of eyes on you is super important. Is what I found. Yeah. Yeah. I love that notion of whatever you post is what people assume you're doing all of the time. Right. Correct. So you have to have yeah. that, that accurate reflection. I, um, do I've like got that I do like showing that I'm a real person and it's not just a, you know, a marketing channel for Hawk, that it's like, there's authenticity there that like, I think does goes a long way in terms of building trust. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a couple of fun questions for you. Um, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be and why? I, I, I love my Model 3 Tesla. Fast, rational, to the point. <laughs> uh, gets the job done. Uh, you know, innovative, I would like to think. Um, yeah, I would probably say the Model 3 because I also don't care about the flash. So it's I'm not a Model S. I'm not a I'm probably the. Uh, souped up the the uh, performance version of the Tesla Model 3. Yeah. Um, and we've been talking a little bit about your brand and and your uh, company's brand. What is your favorite brand? What is it that you can't live without as a consumer? Can't live without would be, there's not a list. I, I don't think there's anything there. Uh, I would say I got to give credit where credit's due. I own way too many pairs of Viore pants, the new <laughs> That is like my work from home outfit when it's not 80 degrees outside, but those pants are like lightweight, basically sweatpants that are a little more presentable than sweatpants. So though that has been a big one. Uh, I, I got to hand it to Nike tried and true. I'm a runner, like wear Nike all the time. And finally, Eric, tell me what is the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Best career advice. Uh, something I've realized recently with this, you know, again, looming recession and post COVID is, Assuming you're going to go the any route, know that failure only happens when you give up. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that it doesn't get to a point that it feels insurmountable or that maybe it even is insurmountable. But like when I, I look at like, you know, people talking about how many restaurants failed during COVID and how many companies mm. failed during the last recession. And it's like there when a company closes its doors, 
it's rarely because there was no other option. It's usually because the founder or the CEO just went, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And I get it. It is hard. Running a business is hard, but same thing with a job, like you fail or anything else you're trying to succeed at. Like you, if you push through, there's probably always an option, raise more money, go into debt, cut everything you can. Like there's, you know, when things are hard, I'm saying there's options. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to make those hard decisions. And that's where I think most of failure comes from in business, not actual failure. I think it's usually giving up and it's hard. Again, I've been in the crux of a company that doesn't feel like it's going to survive or shouldn't survive, et cetera. And like, there's a point where maybe giving up is okay. I'm not saying that it's always a bad decision, but I think there's also power and understanding that that's how it works. That like you might get to the point where you're done and it's you're rationally giving up, meaning like I know what this what getting what not giving up looks like, like what I'm gonna have to do to turn this around and make it happen. Mm -hmm. And the juice isn't worth the squeeze. Like that is usually what happens there. Yeah. Well, uh, Eric Huberman, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the book. It's uh, The Hawk Method. It was so great talking to you. You too. Thanks for the time. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thought. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Eric Huberman, the CEO and founder of Hawk Media. He shared so much great advice and insights, and I love how he showed up as his authentic self throughout our entire conversation. But you know what I really loved? I loved when I asked him about how he would describe his brand, and his answer was, to whom? Because at the end of the day, your brand isn't about you. Remember, it is about your audience. And I love the fact that Eric has determined that from a client and external facing standpoint, his brand and the brand of Hawk Media is super clear about being your outsourced CMO and being the best in the business and the easiest to work with. It's all about that simplicity in that message. And I love that he said when it comes to an internal standpoint, when he's individually working with his team and individually working with his clients, he has a little bit of a different way that he leans in, although they all go hand in hand. The big takeaway for me is that it's all about your audience. You have constantly need to be asking yourself, who is in front of me and who am I trying to super serve and how can I super serve them the best? So your homework is to take a little bit of stock. How can you make sure that your personal branding message is super clear and on point and you have the flexibility to alter that and customize it in a way that super serves the audience that is in front of you? Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, check me out on social media like LinkedIn. I'm at Jason Patria. And I share tons of tips and tricks on how to lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. And most
most importantly, in your career, do not be a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure that you are that super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.